Hello and welcome on in to Moving the Chains, Northwestern's football podcast. Also, other college football will be discussed. I'm Amit Malik, joined here by Matt McHugh and Jake Reitma, both of you making your Moving the Chains debut, trying to get as many people on here as possible. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Good to be back on the College Football Podcast. We've changed the name, but not changed the spirit of the podcast and the great legacy of Michael Stern and all of his great college football analysis from the last few years. We'll do our best to carry it on from that. Sounds like big shoes to fill. I'm also doing well. Officially made my uh, WNUR podcast debut yesterday. Uh, if you could call it a podcast. Oh, sports Voice After Dark wow. is that. I'm kidding. I little used to, yes, yeah, I, I used mean, to I run am, Sports Voice After Dark. <laughs> Being the new guy on the block, you know, you guys got to you know feed me these kind of tips in advance <laughs> so that I know what I'm getting into. But uh, I said yesterday I wanted it to go better than Sergio Dip's debut on the sidelines. And I think, I think it did. It wasn't as memorable, though. <laughs> Did you did you Google how to deal with fame yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite yet. Oh, not uh, quite yet. I need to, though. Yeah. It's been a good week in football. Um, been a good week in college football. Not been a good week for Northwestern in college football. They're coming off a really bad beatdown against Duke. We're going to talk about that game. We're going to look ahead to Bowling Green, bounce around the Big Ten, and then look at the national stage this week. Um, not a whole lot of great games, but a few good ones. And there, guys. Let's get started uh, with Northwestern coming off a very bad loss to Duke. Uh, they were expected, you know, kind of favored to win this one, but it was a very tough game. First question I gotta ask is, how indicative of this is this of Northwestern's talent? Are are they this bad? Well, I mean, we already saw basically this exact same question in week two of last year. Is Northwestern bad? They just lost to an FCS team, Illinois State, and they ended up turning their season around. Had some nice road wins. Big win in the pinstripe bowl over Pitt to end the season. and So it, it was a fine season after that. So this was just a little scare, I think, a little bump in the road. But it'd be kind of silly to overreact to one week and say, yes, this is one of the worst teams in the Big Ten now, where just two weeks ago we thought this was a team that could very well be in contention for the Big Ten West. So I think that's a bit of an overreaction, but certainly some warning signs and some stuff that is going to have to be fixed the next few weeks. Yeah, I'd like to agree. I mean, there's two sides of the coin, like always, and you can. I, I want to take the optimistic approach that, uh, you know, you look at last year, there was a couple of wake-up calls. Hopefully, Northwestern only needs one wake-up call, and you think uh, Coach Fitzgerald and the rest of the crew will learn from last year and uh, be able to move past this. And I don't, I don't think we can count out this Duke team. I think this Duke team may be better than what people thought, including me. I mean, you look at Northwestern, they weren't, they weren't great week one against Nevada, did enough to win, and you're thinking, okay, you know, clean up the mis- miscues from week one, keep the ball rolling into week two. But, but dare I say they ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw against the Duke Blue Devils? I think you're right. I think Duke looked very good. Um, a lot of talent there. Cutcliffe is a very good coach. They're recruiting very well. And they have their hands with, uh, on their hands a very good quarterback. And I think the thing that surprised me most was how much Duke ran the ball. That just oh, how much Jones ran the ball himself. So that really caught Northwestern off guard. And I think I agree with you, Jake. That there's going to be some wake up calls always, and you just want to keep it to just one. You can't have those multiple slip ups. Personally, I think this game was kind of there for the taking. You know, Northwestern didn't start off well, but they're down 21-10 at half with that touchdown. They get a stop the first drive of the second half. They get the ball back. I feel like they were really in this game, and I think that final scoreline will deserve for Duke. Didn't reflect that Northwestern 
you know, they could have they could have won this game or kept it really close down the stretch. Yeah, watching that, I mean, you take a Snapchat, Snapchat or a Snapshot at halftime <laughs> with a 21-10 game, an 11-point deficit. You'd like to think Northwestern has all the momentum after that rushing touchdown by Jackson. And for how badly they played for the majority of that first half to be down 11 at the break, you, you would have liked to see them rally behind that and use that momentum into the second half. And we saw that in week one, too, against Nevada. Northwestern got off to a slow start and a bit of a scare at the beginning of the game, but then halftime, they settle it down. Thorson calms down, puts together some really, really nice drives. Northwestern puts some nice touchdowns on the board, takes a comfortable lead, and then wins a little safely at the end. So, I mean, it can, it can happen like that. And I think you're right, Amit. That game was there for the taking. A lot of mistakes on Northwestern's part, a lot of self-inflicted wounds that they're going to really have to, to shore up this week against Bowling Green. Yeah, Thorson obviously, you know, didn't have one of his better games in his career. The offensive line did not have one of their better games. What are the units you you think need to improve the most, not only just for next week, but for Northwestern to not be a team that gets beat by teams like Duke? For Northwestern to live up to their expectations as a Big Ten West contender, who which units need to play better as the season goes forward? It seems silly to say it again, but the secondary is something that we have been focusing on for the last couple weeks. Some injuries have really hurt their depth there. They're playing some guys out of position. Trey Williams, who we thought was going to be out for the year, was out there in the field last week. And it's you see some guys with not much experience going out there as well. And that's a very important unit that dubbed the Sky Team before the season. They had some really star returning players there, but then has really not lived up to the expectations of that unit. Yeah, and one note before you get in, Jake, I thought kind of one of the differences of the game was when uh, Jared McGee left the game on targeting. That was another yeah. turning point. You know, I'll let you guys speak about the targeting. I think it has to be a foul, but there was no intent, but that's, I think it had to be a foul. I don't know if he had to be ejected. Yeah, just, it's, it's complicated. It's just, complicated. It Player is. safety has to come first. Just hearing targeting is it's a can of worms because yeah. it's such a in-the-moment, split-second call for that official to make. Player safety is such a point of emphasis, but it has such a lasting effect on the game. And you pull the trigger, essentially throw that flag in a split second, and you're impacting the rest of the game. Yeah, because I think, okay, even if you take away the interception, if you for if you don't take away the interception, Northwestern has the ball, they're coming back, this is a totally different game. But if you take away the interception, Northwestern still would have Jaron McGee. They don't have to play Trey Williams. They don't have to play Moal Masri. They have, don't have to play J.R. Pace. I think Northwestern would have been fine with Kyle Caro playing the outside corner. Now with him out of the game, the defense got stretched thin, and I think exactly, you're right, Matt, the secondary still is a huge question mark. Right, and I, I think it's I think the call in the moment, like you said, Jake, that's such a tough call for the official to make. You see the helmet go against the helmet. It just says, well, that's what the rule says. we got to call that targeting. Right. And the rule it's says such, he's it's gone. a balancing act of letter of the law, you know, taking so many things into consideration to go through that check process in a split seconds moment. Is you're asking a lot on the yeah. official too. And what's one position group you think maybe just to be different than Matt outside of the secondary? that you think needs to improve not only just this week, but as the season you know goes on? Yeah, definitely. Let's look at the offensive side of the ball. And you talk about a blueprint that has worked for this Northwestern team, and that's rushing the ball. I mean, say no more, Justin Jackson in games with 100-plus yards, they're 17-4. and four. And granted, that's a lot. That's a big sample size for, for a guy to have that many 100-yard rushing games. And what a week to turn it around. 
Bowling Green, not so good at stopping the run. They've given up 200-plus yards rushing in both of their contests this year. So I think you look no further than the rushing attack for Northwestern. It's proven Justin Jackson is one of the elite runners in college football, not just the Big Ten, but if they can sure up that rushing attack, they're going to be tough to stop. And that also opens up the passing game for Thorson as well. Anything else you guys want to add from this Duke game? It was frustrating. I thought Duke also did a good job of stacking the box against Northwestern, but I think it's inexcusable to just not have a run game, period. You, you can't do that if you're going to be a good Big Ten football team. Right. I, I think that's what threw Clayton Thorson off a bit, too, is that he has that running game. He has Jackson that he can rely on when maybe he's not having his best day uh, under center, and that was the case this week. And I think the next step for that is just going to be those in-game adjustments, seeing the men stacked in the box and making those audibles, those calls at the line of scrimmage to, to change things up, and, and I think they'll have a good opportunity to do that this week. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, even looking back to week one, Nevada did their homework, was so set on stopping the run, they were loading up the box, and Thorson's deep ball was working in that game. I, th- I think one thing that worked was that Mick McCall, as the Nevada game went on, allowed Thorson to attack more. I personally was a little bit frustrated with his play calling uh, when that game was within reach, but it's also really tough because Duke's defense was flying, the offensive line didn't seem to be executing. How did you guys evaluate Mick McCall's performance in Week 2? Not that I ever think he should be fired. I think he's perfectly capable and he's developed Thorson, but it's always an interesting talking point, especially on Northwestern Twitter, the, the performance of Mick McCall. Well, I think he was game planning for a Duke defense that they saw for the last two years, but the one that we just saw last Saturday was not the same Duke defense that we saw the last couple of years. And, I mean, I can't really put too much of the blame on him for that, but this Duke defense was throwing a lot of different looks at them and stuff that they really hadn't seen before. So I can understand why maybe his game plan didn't match up to that. Then I go back to the original criticism, which is just in-game adjustments. you got to recognize that, make the switch that you need to make, and kind of take that from there. Yeah, well, first of all, with this being my first time on the on the podcast here, if you guys uh, want to come at me for this one, I completely understand. But I have never been one to really criticize the uh, the coaching staff, and I mean, it's, it's the easy thing to do. Is really kind of what uh, as you're watching on television at the game and whatnot, you want to to think they should be doing this, they should be doing that, but. Let's you know be honest with ourselves. These guys game plan. They watch hours and hours and hours of film. They know the playbook like the back of their hand. They know their player personnel like the back of their hand. You talk about in-game adjustments. That's a definitely a fair point. But uh, I really, I mean, it's, a lot of it has to do with the rhythm of the game as well. And to your point, you can't account for the type of athletes that Duke had on the field defensively in a scheme-wise. It looks a little bit different on paper than when you're actually in the moment of the game. So. I really, I really don't really see any area where you you can, you know, definitively point your finger and say on this play at this point in time they should have done this. Yeah, and I think to agree with you, Jake, that you know a lot of things have to go right for a team to perform well on offense. The coach, the line, and then your your skill players getting open, getting in space. A lot of things have to go wrong as well. You know, it's not just play calling; it's it's executing on the field. I think it was a lot of mix of both because. I think we all agree that Duke was just flying in a way that no one, I think, associated with Northwestern really expected. Um, moving on to this Bowling Green game, you know, Bowling Green 0-2, not not a great start to the season. I think all things considered, this is going to be Northwestern's easiest game on the schedule this year. But nothing, you can take nothing for granted anymore with Northwestern. You never could. Um, 
let's start with the talent level of Bowling Green. You know, what kind of team are we looking at here? Look at a team that, well, like you said, this team has struggled a lot the last couple of weeks. They had a respectable loss in week one to Michigan State, but then this last week against FCS Team South Dakota, dropping that one 27-35 to at home. That's a major red flag for, for any team. Now they're starting 0-2. Quarterbacks completing just about 38% of his passes. There's a lot of things that that team's going to need to work on, and it's probably not the best time for them to hit the road and go play a Big Ten team this week. Right. If you're Bowling Green, I mean, you're kind of you're back to the drawing board at this point. Uh, there's not really a lot to rally behind. Um, however, you slice it, you know. And on the flip side, if you're looking at Northwestern, hey, we just got a wake up call in week two. And that's an opportunity for Coach Coach Fitzgerald to really, I guess, lay into the guys and say, do you want this to be indicative of the rest of your season with, oh, by the way, your rebound game, if you will, is against a team that really lacks identity, however you want to put it. Yeah, I think, agree with both of you, this is a bad situation for Bowling Green because Northwestern really has to respond to a performance like that. You can't follow that up with the bad performance. So... Even if Northwestern isn't the team we think they're going to be by the end of the season, I have no doubts that no matter what, what they end up as, this is a game they're going to come out really strong, really aggressive, and I think they're, they're going to execute really well, too. At least you know, they're going to come out hungry in the start of this game. Completely agree with that. Like you said, there's isn't going to be a trap game. If there was any fear of that before there's a bye last week, week. There's a bye week yeah. after, after they're, this They're going to go very hard in this game. They're not going to take any plays right. off. Worst road loss in quite some time. Worst non-conference uh, loss. Yeah, worst non-conference of all time, right? I believe so. It def a hundred percent is under Pat under Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald, right, yeah. right. And I mean, if you're Northwestern, like you said, the bye week. There's so many checks where you would like to think that the Wildcats are going to come out and give everything they have to this game. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting to think about what what's Bowling Green going to try to do to win this game because you know they're not going to come in and hand Northwestern a win. How do you guys see, you know, Bowling Green attacking the Wildcats? Can they can they make this close and for how long? Well, what they had some problems with last week, they fell behind early to South Dakota, but then they kind of threw their way back into the game. They threw the ball a lot in the second half and they stormed back. They lost by just a touchdown in the end. So again, that's against an FCS team that was in Bowling Green, so a lot of different factors for that game, but if they're going to have a chance, they're probably going to have to throw their way into the game. And with Northwestern secondary banged up, I mean, maybe there's a chance to do that. Again, you don't want to take anything for granted. And, and then I'll ask you, Jake, is there anything that Northwestern could show you in this game that would make you feel better about the team going forward? Or is it kind of just you're so expected to take care of this game it doesn't matter what happens unless you lose, which is a nightmare. You just have to take care <laughs> right, of this. Right, right. Yeah, loss. Uh, we next week at this time we'd be asking ourselves a lot <laughs> yeah. of questions. But uh, I really think I think you want to see a fast start from Northwestern. They struggled out of the gates both in week one against Nevada and obviously in week two um, on the road against Duke. But also just the execution. I think uh, you talk about the veteran leadership that this team has. I mean, it's proven guys, especially on the offensive end that we're talking about, guys that have been successful in the Big Ten, and you just want to see them play out to their full potential. I think if Northwestern executes, we can be happy with the performance. It, does, it just can't, I think for Northwestern to be a successful week, it can't be a sloppy win. That, 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 that's what I, I want to see. I agree with that. I was looking before the year of this game like, 
what the heck are they going to gain from a game against Bowling Green? They're just going to, if they lose this game, it'd be catastrophic. And if they win this game, they're supposed to win, whatever. But but now after last week, I'm reconsidering that because there are some guys out there who have to go out and prove that, yes, this team is still good. And like, like you said, Amit, a dominant win this week would prove to everyone that this team is legit, this team is good, this team lived up to some of that preseason hype. This was a team that was making national lists as a, a sleeper team for the season. And they didn't look anything like it last week. This is a chance for them to to show once again that they can play up to that level. Um, Jake, you're going to be on the sideline, so I'm going to hold you from a prediction. That's right. Unless you, unless you <laughs> want to. No, but, no, no. Uh, I'll take yeah, that. I'll okay. take my get out of You'll jail take card and uh, let you guys uh, take over. I'm also here. not going to give a prediction. So that leaves just you, Matt. I'm ready. Um, just your game prediction, not even against the spread. Just how do you think this one's going to go? I think Northwestern should jump out in front early. Maybe it takes another possession or two to fully click in with the offense, but in the end, this should be a game where they should be coasting in the second half. I'd expect a win of 20 to 25 points over Bowling Green this week. I think that's a that's a fair margin. We'll see. Um, if you're interested, not that, not that we are, the spread is over 20 points. I believe it's around 22. I wouldn't feel great about that, but I'd probably lean towards Northwestern, but don't we'll have, feel great. We'll have some more um, fun with the spread later in the podcast. For those of you who are who know, we'll do that Rock of the Week. Let's move on to the rest of the Big Ten, guys. Uh, Big Ten looking good so far. Ohio State did lose that notable matchup. But first, I want to start with Northwestern in the larger context of the Big Ten. As we said, picked to do well at the beginning of the year. After this loss, some polls had them, like a power poll, as the 13th team in the Big Ten, ahead of only Rutgers. That surely can't be right. Where is Northwestern actually? It's hard to say out of these two up-and-down performances, but where do they slot in in the Big Ten and also, more importantly, in the Big Ten West? It's way too early to say for sure. And I think it is fair to say at this point, Northwestern has played like the second-worst team in the Big Ten. That's a credit to the rest of the Big Ten playing pretty well to start the year, and also, just we're looking at two games here, so don't want to jump to any conclusions, but if we're looking at for the rest of the season poll, who's going to be doing well the rest of the year? Yeah, I think Northwestern's probably in that like six to seven range in the Big Ten, kind of the middling tier. There's a lot of teams with top-tier talent that seem like they're going to be in the top 25 all year, and then there's some teams like Rutgers, even Illinois, Nebraska, which seem kind of on the lower end of the Big Ten. Yeah, there were a number of uncertainties, I think, as you would put it, entering this year, especially in the Big Ten West. And two weeks into it, I don't think any of us can say, oh, this is for certain now. I mean, you look at a lot of teams, in the again, the Big Ten West specifically, like who saw Minnesota winning on the road by 30-plus points? I mean, granted, 2-0 and to start the season. Nebraska, we didn't know what to make of them. They go on the road and are down 41-14 at Oregon and then make the game interesting. Yep. So um, Indiana, another one-and-one one team, and after two games there's a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, we're going to have to wait to find out against Indiana. They're not going to get to play FIU. But some good games coming up. I actually want to start with last week. Um, you know, I think the, high, the, the headline outside of Northwestern losing and that Nebraska comeback was Ohio State losing to Oklahoma. This was a really fun game, I think, on both sides of the ball. Um, Baker Mayfield versus JT Barrett. What do you guys see from the? What do we learn about Ohio State in this one, and how does it impact their college play, uh, playoff chances? Because we know that's something they have their eye on. I mean, if we're going to be honest, it doesn't really change my opinion of Ohio State all that much. 
I thought they were a top 10, like, really, really good team coming into that game. And I still do. I don't think that loss kind of ruined their season. But when it comes to the playoff hopes, it could very well come down to Oklahoma or Ohio State for that last spot. And if we're looking at that 10-something weeks from now, this game could be looming pretty large. I think Ohio State's one of the most intriguing storylines, even nationally. I mean, here's a team that with sky-high expectations, and rightfully so. And look no further than the quarterback position with JT Barrett, a three-year captain. I heard an interesting note on the radio. He's the only third-time team captain of an Ohio State program. That's one of the most storied programs. And you talk about a talented quarterback, but there are many people saying he is the reason that that team is not succeeding. He is holding back that talented offense, that offense, especially under Urban Meyer, that we've seen be very potent at times. So an interesting storyline, I think, is to watch if and when Urban Meyer will pull the plug on his three-time team captain in JT Barrett. For me, I still feel like JT Barrett is is a top quarterback in the Big Ten. and I think we've always seen all the quarterbacks come through Ohio State, and the expectations for an Ohio State quarterback have maybe warped us of what a good quarter college quarterback is. And to me, JT Barrett is still very much that. Yeah, maybe he's not the the superstar that we thought he was, but I think he's still pretty darn good. Let me, if I may, <laughs> let me ask you: Do you think he's holding back that Ohio State offense, though? I, I wouldn't say that. No, it's it's a team sport. There's a lot that goes into it. He's he's a part of it, and I think that maybe as a unit they have uh, some work to do, some things to hash out, but. But no, he's just too talented for me to say that he's holding them back. I don't. I don't really know whether or not he's holding them back. I thought that. You know, I think that he's really good, and I think that if Ohio State wants to win, to get to the playoff and win it, then maybe they have to think about it. Maybe he is. Maybe they need to make that change, like you said. But I think for Big Ten play, they're going to be all right. It's those two big games. You know, everyone knows Ohio State versus Michigan, Ohio State versus Penn State. Is he going to be the quarterback in those games? That's what matters to me. But before we get there, I think they're going to keep rolling with him, at yeah. least for now. And that's, I guess, to follow up with what another reason why I think they're so intriguing, especially just as a national story. It's almost an exact image of that USC team last year at this time. And did they turn the reins over to Sam Darnold, a young quarterback? Yes, they did. They had a couple of soft games in their schedule. They go on to win the Rose Bowl. Will Ohio State, they've got a couple of soft games in their schedule right now. There's a lot of people, and we know about Buckeye Nation, one of the you know loudest fan bases, if you will. They're calling for Dwayne Haskins, freshman quarterback, turn the reins over to him, see what he can do for this offense, and if he can kind of rejuvenate this Ohio State team. I think if they did turn the reins over to him, it would be the... It'd be the number one, you know, storyline to follow right. in college football because it'd be a lot of pressure yeah. on this on this freshman to to get them going. There are some really interesting freshman stories already around the country. You look at Virginia Tech is one. Um, there there are others I'm, I'm forgetting, but that one stands out to me the most. If that happened, do you think Ohio State would be would be better off? Do you think they can beat? Do you think they can get to the Big Ten playoff game? championship game sorry yeah that's then that's what again what is so you know interesting to me is i think they have to they're at a point right now i don't think that ohio state is among the elite in the big 10 to get to the championship game if jt barrett is their quarterback therefore i think the switch is needed 
hopefully hoping for the best that Haskins as a freshman can propel them to where I think the rest of that team is, both offensively yeah. and defensively. I think my thinking was going into this podcast was that you don't want to change it because you need to get in those games with momentum, but I think what maybe you're hinting at is that if they don't, they don't have a chance. Right, that's exactly it. They already have one loss on the yeah. schedule. You pick up one more, your playoff odds are almost gone. Yeah. We saw that with Penn State last year. A couple early losses. They had an amazing yeah. season, but those early losses yeah. held them out of the playoff spot. If we see that change, it's going to be very high risk, very high reward potentially. So that's definitely something to keep your eye on uh, as the season moves along. Ohio State, though, we, 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 won't, we won't find out too much. They're playing Army. A good Army team, 2-0, and but, you know, we expect Ohio State to take care of business. Five-game winning streak for the Navy Mid- or Army, I'm sorry, for Army. The first time uh, dating back to quite some time. I don't know the exact date. Is Don't they run, like, four plays? Yeah, the triple option. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, maybe, maybe uh, Northwestern should be paying attention. No, not actually. Don't don't run the triple option. The triple option is near and dear to my heart. That's what the Northwood University Timberwolves yeah. ran. Yes, sir. Maybe maybe we need to free Jelani Roberts. He's a, the triple option specialist. <laughs> but uh, looking around at the rest of these games, uh, a few um, matchups that are intriguing. Illinois gets to play on Friday uh, out, south, out at South Florida. A pretty good team. And other than that, you know, not really too much. Wisconsin on the road at BYU, who lost to uh, Utah pretty badly, but it is a solid team. Anything else that really catches your eyes from, from these games? Clemson and Louisville. Well, I said from the Big Ten. Oh, games. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. My fault. My fault. Yeah. There's yeah. there are some there are some good uh, national games we'll get to in just a minute. Yeah, the the Big Ten slate. The only other one that stands out to me is Purdue at Missouri, and Purdue has actually looked pretty respectable to start the season. Different Purdue team than we saw for the last couple of years. Missouri towards the bottom end of the SEC. It'd be a tough place to go in and pick up a dub, but there's a chance Purdue that game could be pretty close this week. Air Force, Michigan, the way people in Ann Arbor have been describing Michigan's play um, in week two against Cincinnati, not like another loud fan base to overreact, but three quarters of uninspired football. We'll see if Michigan can bounce back against another triple option team. Something to keep your eyes on this week. Also, obviously, Northwestern filling out that Big Ten slate with the night game against Bowling Green. Uh, Let's move on to the national stage, guys. Uh, Let's start with last week. We talked about what it meant for Ohio State on their side of that loss. Let's talk about Oklahoma on their side of the win. Can this propel them to make the college football playoff? We know the Big 12 is having some trouble getting there, but this is a marquee win as any. Can Will this propel them, guys? Oh, I think they're right in that conversation. Again, it's too early to say from just a couple weeks, but, I mean, they were in that conversation in the preseason polls, and they've absolutely solidified their place as one of the top five teams in the country. And until they do something to to show otherwise, I have no reason to think that they're not a playoff team. Yeah, I'm all on the uh, Baker Mayfield bandwagon. <laughs> I loved the sticking of the flag. I Why mean, do you apologize? That's exactly, yeah, he should yes. have. He, I, it was a great Should have doubled down on it. Exactly. Be who, I mean, he's always been like this, yeah, too. I yeah. mean, he's an outspoken guy. It seems like he's been in college football for six, seven years. He, he is who he is, and I think you have to respect that. And obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but I'm going to go ahead and say it wasn't his idea to apologize. Someone may have been <laughs> yeah, in his ear yeah. for that, but uh, I am all in on this Baker Mayfield, Oklahoma team. I think uh, the Big 12 
It is what it is. It hasn't been the best Power 5 conference. It's taken a lot of slack for that. Oklahoma State's very much improved this year, but outside of the Cowboys, I really don't see anyone challenging Oklahoma. Kansas State, do you think they might might have a shot? They're probably they're probably they're okay. I mean, yeah, like, uh, you could see them winning eight something games, maybe. But uh, we're talking college football playoffs. I think there's a pretty big power gap between those two. Yeah, I, I think you're right. There's really two teams that are really on anyone's mind on the biggest stage, and Oklahoma State still has to prove they're they're in that conversation. They're right on the fringe of that level. Um, the other two big games from last week: Clemson taking down Auburn, USC taking down Stanford. Is that just what we expected to happen? Do we learn anything from these games, from the performances? And and on the flip side, are Auburn and Stanford still still as good as we think they are? I think the big thing with Clemson, I mean, this is a defense that compiled 11 sacks against Auburn. I mean, defensively, they're, I don't want to necessarily compare them to Alabama but or like an LSU defense, but guys that are going to be playing on Sunday at every level, up front, interior as in you know inside linebackers and in the secondary this Clemson defense loaded with athleticism I still got to worry about the quarterback position though without Deshaun Watson this year it's going to be something to watch as the season goes on but if the defense is going to be that good right they're going to be winning maybe double digit games anyways but 14 points I mean that's to your point I don't I don't know if 14 points beats a Lamar Jackson Louisville yeah we're going to talk about that in a bit that's the really the big game to watch um, anything from USC Stanford that you guys gleaned that was particularly interesting? I thought Stanford was a bit overmatched, and USC rightly ran away with this game. I'm still gonna stick with the Cardinal. I'm a little biased. I grew up grew up a Stanford fan, but Bryce Love is is very very good. I'm I'm a color of Chris guy. I think he can be enough of a game manager to keep them in the top half of the Pac-12. But I think USC is another animal, and they yeah. showed that this week. Yeah, I mean, quarterback-driven league, we always use that term. Yep. Sam Darnold, one of the best in all of college football. Fun to watch. This USC team, potent. I think USC solidified their uh, hold on right now on one of those four playoff spots. Um, looking at this week, um, not a lot of great games, but one that everyone's looking forward to, a few others. But let's start with, with the big one, Clemson-Louisville ACC matchup. This is going to be a lot of fun. Louisville looked a little shaky in that win over Purdue. And Clemson, as you mentioned, Matt, the big storyline is the loss of Deshaun Watson and a lot of other players, too, from last year's title-winning team. What's going to go down in this one? It should be a fun, It was a fun game last year. It was a great game to watch. We won't be watching it this year, obviously, because we'll all be watching Bowling Green Northwestern. <laughs> but it, it should <laughs> be a, a fun what game. What a good way to spend a Saturday night. <laughs> for the, uh, the folks who, for some reason, are not tuned into that game at Ryan Field, they'll be watching that game, and they should be in for a treat. I mean, it was so fun last year. No Deshaun maybe makes that Louisville's advantage this year, but like you said, that Clemson defense showed that they could be something special. Yeah, I talked a little bit about this yesterday, and Lamar Jackson's story is very intriguing for me just because you're talking about a guy wins the Heisman Trophy, and you turn around the following year, and people aren't even considering him in the top three or four quarterbacks in all of college football. And I feel like we've become – he was almost – He's almost his own worst enemy because he's a human highlight reel every time we watch him. And it's all of a sudden, oh, I've seen the spin move, throw it for 50, you know, five touchdowns. I've seen that already. What are you going to do next? You know, And we, I mean, we're always thinking, okay, who's next? Who's next? Lamar Jackson is still around. He's still the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And we actually have a chance to watch him in prime time. And I think it's a statement type of game for Lamar Jackson, especially when the, the image that a lot of people have 
have of Lamar Jackson and that Louisville team is that embarrassment on the national stage against Houston because this Louisville team doesn't always play on national television. So the one time that they are last year, he gets sacked you know, 20 times, whatever it was, against Houston. But Lamar Jackson, still the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and still, in my opinion, among the most talented players in college football. Do you guys think Louisville can challenge the, the upper echelon of the ACC? You're looking specifically at Clemson, but also FSU, Miami. Can, can they get, get to where those, those teams are? Yeah, I think they could. I think they're they're right in there, and they're they're kind of in that conversation. But at the same time, that's a lot of work that needs to be done. I don't want to count them out this early, but it's it's still a little too early. <laughs> it's going to sound like I'm on the Lamar Jackson train <laughs> yeah. because I just, I just think he's an incredible talent. And it's anytime true. you have that that wild card, that X factor, that at any given moment can change the course of a game. I don't think you count them out of any game. I think their defense, you know, is going to lend themselves to a lot of shootouts. Yeah. But the good news is if you wanted a quarterback to win you some shootouts, you've got the guy right. yep. in Lamar Jackson. Um, specifically in this game, do you guys think Louisville can pull off the upset here? How, how, how are they going to go about doing it? It's going to be a shootout. Like you said, they're going to have to get Lamar Jackson to do everything, anything and everything for that offense. And the good news is that he can. He's shown that he can week in, week out. And there's a chance that that happens. It's a tough matchup, obviously, against that Clemson defense. But if there's any guy for the task, it's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and I think if you're if you're Louisville, your game plan's just got to be continue to stay in the game, stay in the game, keep it a one possession game. Because if the way the time works out, the way the clock works out, if you've got the ball and you've got it in Lamar Jackson's hands, down you know down three, down one touchdown, you got to like your eyes. But if you're on the other hand, if you're Clemson. Put Louisville away early, you know, with that defensive front that we've talked about, 11 sacks again last week against Auburn. If you can make a statement early that we've seen this Louisville team kind of fold and on big stages like they did last year, not only in the game against Houston, but also in their bowl game. Yeah, if Clemson's front line gets some hits, some pressure on Lamar Jackson early, I think it could be a very long night for Louisville. Um, looking around at the other two big games that I've circled personally, Tennessee, Florida, two ranked matchup, two ranked teams in a matchup. Um, what are you guys expecting from this one? You know, Florida did lose to Michigan, but looked good. Tennessee, if somehow pulled that opening week win from from somewhere against Georgia Tech, what do we expect for, from this one? And who do you think is going to come out on top? I mean, we've been talking about the Florida quarterback position as a question mark ever since Tim Tebow left, right? <laughs> like it seems like for the last what seven years yeah. they haven't had a reliable option at quarterback and. I think as long as that's the case, it's never you never feel too good about saying Florida's going to win this football game. So I think that just leaves too much up in the air. Yes, it's a good defensive team. They're going to be in that top 25 conversation all year long. But again, I just can't feel good about saying that's a good team. And Tennessee has shown they're in every game that they play. Yeah, and speaking, I would say speaking of stories that we've talked about consistently for seemingly years and years on years, it's the Butch Jones era in Tennessee. Oh, Tennessee's back yeah. now. Like, <laughs> Tennessee's always back. Tennessee's back. They've had the ESPN top whatever recruiting class for however many years in a row, but they've just been 
flirting with that that line between being back and being a seven win program that goes to a decent bowl game and either wins the bowl game and whatnot but is this finally a time where Tennessee under Butch Jones takes that next step beats their rival has a notable SEC game that they can circle and say Tennessee's back I think this is a, a really big statement win potentially for Tennessee you know they're on the road they're favored to lose if they can win this one, you know, I think they maybe think they can compete a bit with the, the top of the SEC. I think this is one of those games, you know, it, it is early in the season, but in terms of the SEC, I think it's a loser-leaves-town match. Um, do, would you guys agree with that? Uh, yeah, it's it's early in the season, but, but yeah, it is at this point. And this is going to be Tennessee's big chance to, to pick up that statement win, and I'm not sure if they're going to have another chance on the schedule like this one with Florida coming into town and Tennessee, a home dog, little chip on their shoulder maybe in this game, it's a good chance to prove themselves. Yeah, the SEC is an intriguing conference for a lot of reasons. Um, many would tell you because it's just a competition for second place. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, LSU looks good um, in their opening game. So I, I go back and forth on this. But, uh, I mean, I am in agreement that this is a great opportunity for Tennessee. And then last game of the week, um, you, that I, not last game, last game I want to talk about this week, USC-Texas. I don't think Texas is very good. Another program you talk about is seemingly back every year. Do they have a chance in this one, or is USC just going to, you know, add another scalp to their list? Like, very easily. I'm talking about, like, not just a win, like a full-on scalp of yeah, Texas. Aren't they fa- they're favored by, by 15. It. Yeah, that was another one that was intriguing to take for for possibly a lock. <laughs> you mean, you want to think that this USC team can, can win by three-plus touchdowns, especially with how Maryland had their way with Texas. But uh, I think Tom Herman there in, uh, in Texas has a lot of questions to answer. And you'd like to think a first-year head coach has some sort of window of time to try to implement his program, his system, that sort of thing. But uh, there's not a lot of patient people in Austin. Well, you see what USC did to Stanford, which I still think is a a very good football team. team. Yeah. And I just can't feel good about Texas. They still have some talent. As long as you're the Texas Longhorns, you're going to have talent on the football field. There's no denying that, that there's some talented players there, but... Again, it's I a think, team sport. It's I not going to go well. I think on the road in USC, this one's going to get ugly quickly, very quickly, and just be a runaway. So I think we're all in agreement. But I just wanted to ask what you guys thought. Um, let's move on to the lock of the week. We don't have a real sponsor, but I came up with a fake sponsor, ADT Home Security. Lock your home down. <laughs> lock your pick in. There that's you good. have that's it. That's good. I mean, right. if this whole thing doesn't work out, yeah. it's like you got a, a future in, like, promotion. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe I should get into marketing. But lock of the week. Um, WNUR as a station doing good so far, 4-1. and one. I've given everyone one pick uh, each week. Sam Brief, greedy sports director that he is, took two. One of those turned out wrong. That's what he gets. Uh, that's what he gets. But I think everyone's been pretty good. La- let's remind you, last week, Zach Wingrove, Locked in Utah at minus one over BTU. Utah won pretty comfortably. And Adam Bronstein locked Georgia at minus four over Notre Dame without their starting quarterback. But Adam knew Georgia came through, and they were 2-0. Let's hear from you guys. I'll start with you, Matt. Who is your ADT lock of the week this week against the spread? We were just talking about it. I'm going with USC. Okay. I mean, you never feel 15 points. I never like a spread that big, but... It's For dang- a situation like this, it's dangerous. I just can't resist 
USC over Texas just because of what we saw from USC. Maybe they could be screaming a backdoor cover from Texas at the end of that game, which would make me a little nervous, but I feel like USC is going to be in control of that the whole time. That's my lock this week. All right, Matt, you heard it there. USC minus 15. Watch out for that backdoor. Jake, what's your lock of the week? I'm not going to learn my lesson from Matt because I also am afraid of this backdoor cover, but I also it's sort of an emotional pick because – it would make all of us in this room feel a little bit better about what happened to our Northwestern Wildcats last week, and that is Duke against a very bad, bad yeah. Baylor team. Yeah. Minus 14. Duke is good. I think Duke's going <laughs> to yeah. blow them out. I mean, we don't need to get into the shambles that that Baylor's program is in, but if Duke can win by, uh, I mean, let's say a couple more touchdowns. You it's, know, maybe? it's 14, which is a big spread in college football. But you think about Duke and what they're going to do, it seems actually kind of small. And Baylor's yeah. looked just absolutely right. atrocious these yeah. first couple weeks. So, yeah, I, I mean, I see it. Duke's playing but well, playing, the, staying the, at home. The backdoor the yeah, backdoor that's the problem with those scary. big spreads. Yeah, those yeah. big spreads. You know, so Vegas gets you. If you're up three <laughs> touchdowns in that uh, that last drive and you got your third team defense in, I mean, they got to make a play, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Can't let Matt Alvini throw a, a nope. deep route of the end zone to, uh, <laughs> exactly. to Riley Lees. You never know. Good thing that wasn't a backdoor. Um, there you have your locks of the week. Jake's got Duke. Matt's got USC. We'll see if they can go 2-0 this week. Uh, thanks for thanks for uh, joining this podcast with me, guys. thought it was a very good one. Very excited. And we'll have the call this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. against Bowling Green. Austin Miller will be doing play-by-play with Frederick Bouget on, on color. And Jake Rima will be on the sidelines, his second sidelines after helping us out against Nevada. Hey, when Jake does sidelines, we're one and zero. So that's true. That's pretty good. A lot of pressure to keep that up. Make sure you tune in on Saturday on air or online, and subscribe to us on uh, iTunes or SoundCloud to keep getting moving the chains every week. Thanks a lot for Matt McHugh, for Jake Ritma. I'm Amit Malik here on WNUR.